Good morning. Today is Monday, September 26th, and you're listening to Thy Strong Word. This is the program where each weekday morning we explore the holy scriptures through which God bespeaks us righteous and nourishes our faith. I'm your host, Pastor Phil Boo of St. John Lutheran Church in Laverne, Minnesota. Thank you for listening, whether it be over the air, online, through KFUO's app, or as a podcast. I don't care. I'm just glad you're here. Settle in. Open your hearts and your minds. We're about to begin. Thy Strong Word is graciously supported by the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Uh, LHF translates and publishes, distributes books that are Bible-based, Christ-centered, and Reformation-driven. So when you get time, visit lhfmissions.org to learn more. And as always, if you have questions or comments about today's show, or maybe you just want to say hello, or you want me to pass a message along to our guest, email me at pastorboo at gmail.com. That's P-A-S-T-O-R-B-O-O-E at gmail.com. Every Friday, I start the show by pulling from the listener mailbag to share some of your comments and answer your questions, if you have any, live on the air. So be sure to tune in for that. Well, today we're back in Corinth, and our text is 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 1 through 27. It's in this text where Paul says, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all. Intriguing. Let's discover what Paul is talking about. And to help us do that, my guest this morning is the Reverend Ben Dose. He is the pastor of Zion Lutheran Church in Arcadia, Iowa. Pastor Dose, welcome back to Thy Strong Word. Oh, wonderful. Great to be here. I understand you've been on before with uh, the previous host, uh, President B- Brady Finnern, but I'm certainly happy to have you for the first time uh, since I've taken the helm. Maybe in the next few minutes, share a little bit about what's going on in your congregation and, and how the Lord is using you to serve people. Sure. Uh, thanks, Phil. Uh, yeah, so uh, we are at Zion Lutheran Church in Arcadia, Iowa. Uh uh, Arcadia is a small town, uh, rural congregation. Um, we're in the city, though, uh, not in the country. But uh, Arcadia is a, a city of about uh, 450 people, and uh, so we're we're pretty pretty rural out here. And uh, uh, we sit on Highway 30 in West Central Iowa, uh, right between. Carroll and Denison, and so uh, we have uh, two pretty nice-sized towns uh, to the west and east of us. Uh, we have uh, oh, a membership of, uh, I suppose, uh, a little over 500 uh, members here at uh, Zion uh, Lutheran Church in Arcadia. Uh, I'm married to my wife, uh, Rebecca, and we have four kids. Uh, Jonathan, uh, who is a freshman at Concordia University, Irvine, California. Our son, Timothy, is a senior in high school this year for our uh, consolidated school district, Arweva, uh, which make up the towns of Arcadia, Westside, and Vail, Iowa. Uh, we've been uh, consolidated since 1956, and so uh, we know how to share and, and to get along uh, with each other. So, uh, we have a daughter, uh, Lydia, uh, who is a sophomore in high school. And then uh, finally, uh, we have Hannah, uh, who is in seventh grade here at Arweva. So uh, just some things about uh, us and, and the ministry that we have here. It's a, it's a great ministry. And 
looking forward to uh, you know serving the people here, and we continue to share God's word um, and uh, administer the sacraments. And so it's a great uh, great opportunity uh, to share God's love in Christ uh, here in uh, West Central Iowa. So. Well, that's that's wonderful. Now, before the show, we were talking off the air, and you said you've been there 14 years. Is that right? Yes, correct. Uh, I've been here uh, 14 years at uh, Zion, and so uh, I graduated from uh, Concordia St. Louis in 2003. My first call was to White Bear Lake, Minnesota, uh, and that's a suburb of St. Paul, Minnesota. And so I served there for five years, and uh, I've been here uh, 14 years. So it's been a good uh, good ministry so far. Yeah, so your whole ministry in the Midwest, that's uh, that's wonderful. You know, I yeah. had some experience in, you know, on the East Coast. I started also in Minnesota, and here I am back in Minnesota. And uh, my wife's name's also Rebecca, so we have a couple things in common. <laughs> you said you have a senior in high school. I have mm-hmm. a, uh, a young man, my son, Alex. He has just become a freshman in high school. So we're a little bit on different ends of that spectrum, but but new things on the horizon, it's just absolutely amazing where the Lord takes us as parents, as ministers. It's just, like I said, it's just always amazing to sit back and reflect on all the things that God is doing in our lives. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Absolutely. Well, our text for today is chapter nine, and Paul says some, I think, some challenging things. At least they're challenging to us pastors today, those of us who reflect on what are our rights as pastors, as people who serve the church. We certainly don't want to think about our lives in terms of what is our right and what do we deserve because we deserve nothing and we certainly don't deserve to be in the position that God has given us. But Paul admits that as an apostle, as a servant of Christ, he's entitled to some things, but he seems to be surrendering those rights for the sake of the gospel. And so the question is, do we pastors today, what kinds of things do we surrender that might be implicitly ours? Or on the other hand, what kinds of things do we not surrender that Paul did? I think this could be a challenging discussion for pastors to, like you and I, to talk about and also for pastors to listen to. But we're going to open our hearts and minds and put ourselves under the authority of the Holy Scriptures. And so uh, is there anything you want to lead up or add before we jump into the text? Well, um, I guess the first thing is uh, when you look at the beginning of 1 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, you would think that it's uh, a little bit of a holdover to chapter 8, or it's, it's a connection to chapter 8. And uh, I think when we look at it, uh, it's not so much a continuation of chapter 8, uh, but it does uh, say some new things or some different things. So uh, although chapter 8 uh, looks at uh, food, offered to idols. And just the last couple of verses here in chapter 8, Paul is uh, describing uh, food that has been uh, sacrificed uh, to idols. Um, uh, Just, you know, chapter 8, verse 10, for if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will he not be encouraged if his conscience is weak to eat food offered to idols? And so by your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed, the brother for whom Christ died, thus sinning against your brother uh, and wounding their conscience when it is weak. You sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat 
lest I make my brother stumble. And so uh, just looking at the last uh, couple of verses here uh, from chapter 8, uh, uh, you know, definitely Paul is uh, speaking here of uh, making sure that, uh, um, you know, if, if, if someone, um, you know, sees you eating uh, meat to idols, um, you know, it's, it's uh, maybe better not, not to eat meat uh, offered uh, to idols or uh, not to uh, cause someone uh, to stumble uh, in their faith. And so, uh, what we see in chapter 9 is on the same page, but just a little bit different there uh, in looking at uh, what Paul has to say in chapter 9. So, mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, chapter 8 is dealing with Christian freedoms, and he has the freedom to consume meat, even if it's offered to idols. But he also explains, I suppose, how he has the freedom to abstain from that and that that Correct. freedom is being exercised out of love for his fellow Christian. Yeah, I'm, I'll never eat meat if that right. means someone may uh, be, uh, you know, uh, conflicted in their faith. And so, yeah, chapter nine, we get into that. And chapter nine, well, it starts to deal with things like money and uh, his ability to make a living. And so, well, he's going to talk about that. I think the best way for us to get into it then is to just jump in. I'm going to read. Oh, just a few verses to get us started. Let's read through verse 7, and I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are not you my workmanship in the Lord? If to others I am not an apostle, at least I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. This is my defense to those who would examine me. Do we not have the right to eat and drink? Do we not have the right to take along a believing wife, as do the other apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working for a living? Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard without eating any of its fruit? Who tends a flock without getting some of its milk or some of the milk. Actually, I'm going to continue. Verse 8. Do I say these things on human authority? Does not the law say the same? For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. It is for oxen that God is concerned. Does he not certainly speak for our sake? It was written for our sake because the plowman should plow in hope and the thresher thresh in hope of sharing the crop. If we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share this rightful claim on you, do not we even more? And that's stopping with verse 11. That's an even better place to stop. So in these first 11 verses, he's basically saying, now wait a minute. These other apostles make their living from the gospel. They're freed to be a soldier of Christ because they're supported in their work. Or is that just for me and Barnabas that we have to keep working? And we know where it's going, but that's a pretty, that's a, that's a pretty fair point. Paul feels like on the one hand, it's expected of him that he's going to sacrifice uh, his time to share the gospel by having to make a living. And so far in this message, we would think that he's leading up to this argument of, well, Hey, you guys need to start paying me, but what is going on here, pastor? Sure. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, we definitely see that, uh, 
Paul is uh, laying out, uh, first of all, you know, who he is uh, as far as uh, he being an apostle uh, <clears throat> and uh, having this uh, direct correlation uh, or this direct revelation uh, from Jesus in uh, chapter 9, verse 1, uh, have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Uh, and so, you know, he's making, uh, first of all, an appeal to, to who he is, uh, first of all, in chapter 9. And uh, here, then he goes on uh, to say that, uh, you know, basically uh, he's preached the gospel uh, to the Corinthians. Uh, are you not my workmanship uh, in the Lord? Uh, if to others I am not an apostle, at least I am to you, uh, for you are the seal of my apostleship uh, in the Lord. And so, you know, basically he's saying that, uh, you know, the 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 gospel that he preached uh, to uh, the Corinthians is is that seal that uh, he has done something uh, for them, and and it's a uh, you know making its making its claim uh, on on them. So uh, yeah, so uh, we get into uh, verses uh, three through uh, seven here, and uh, you know, uh, well, basically, actually, if I may interrupt yeah, before yeah, we yeah. even mm -hmm. get there, just a couple yeah. of thoughts came to my mind. Sure. Yeah. First off, with this language of am I not an apostle, isn't it true that Paul, you know, had some troubles having people accept his apostleship? And, uh, it, and it seems like in this passage, he's appealing to two things as evidence. One, that he has seen Jesus, the Lord, and that, well, the fact that they exist as a congregation is evidence that he is indeed an apostle doing an apostle's work. Sure, sure. Yeah, so yeah, he's definitely uh, definitely doing the work to uh, to to be an apostle for sure. Yeah, mm -hmm. yep, and uh, continuing to to preach uh, preach that gospel. Mm -hmm. Well, and yep. I think that's what's fascinating because we often talk about you know could there be an apostle today? I think this was brought up on another episode, and the the pastor guest rightfully mentioned that well, apostle just means someone who is sent with a message, and that's true. But the church has always held that uh, an apostle in terms of this biblical office is someone who hasn't just been sent with a message, but has been sent with a specific message, the gospel, yeah. and sent specifically by Jesus. And then there was that caveat, they must have been in the presence of Jesus. We get that from when they had to replace Judas. So Paul, who came to faith after Jesus had already resurrected, nevertheless, you know, ran into plenty of people who said, Hey, there's no way you could have walked with Jesus. That's when you were persecuting Jesus and the Christians. Sure. And so he he alludes to this fact that he has indeed seen the Lord. He has met the satisfactory requirements, right, of being yeah. an apostle. And then I I just love how he uses that not necessarily to defend himself, but rather to point to his work as an apostle, which is evidenced in this Corinthian congregation. So that's when he th then goes into that defense of, uh, well, you know, what about taking care of me then as an apostle? And that's where we are in, in verse three. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, so, you know, he's uh, basically, uh, you know, saying here and, and uh, you know, you brought it up too that uh, uh, because I've done uh, these things and because I've been sent uh, from Jesus or by Jesus, uh, you know, uh, this is the way that you can uh, pay me. Yeah, uh, this is the way you can uh, take care of me. So, mm -hmm. yep. Um, yeah, so uh, just looking at, yeah, uh, 
verse three, this is my defense to those who would examine me. Uh, there were, you know, as you said, a lot of people who uh, talking to uh, Paul, hey, you know, this is, uh, <laughs> uh, you weren't, uh, you know, with Jesus uh, during his ministry here. So, um uh, you know, where, where have you come from? So, um, uh, verses, uh, uh, four and, and five and six, uh, you know, there were others who during the missionary journeys, uh, took, uh, uh, wives along, uh, with them. Uh, uh, and, and so, uh, you know, they had the, the right, uh, to take the, uh, uh, the wives uh, along with them uh, on their journeys. Um, yeah. And uh, uh, verse six, uh, you know, basically uh, uh, Paul's kind of asking, well, you know, is it, uh, is it only uh, Barnabas and I who have no right <laughs> to refrain from working for a living? So, um, you know, basically, you know, Paul is, uh, you know, kind of saying, Hey, you know, what, what about us? <laughs> you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, I can, uh, I can do what I need to do too. So, yeah, I mean, Paul is yep. a, he's a tent maker, right? We, that's, yeah. he's famously yep. known as a tent maker. In fact, that is a term that's still used at least colloquially by us pastors today for any pastor who has also a second job, we call them tent makers. Sure. And sure. so he's doing this because and what's, what's I think is fascinating is because having already read it, right, we know that Paul is going to move into this um, refusing to accept financial support. He's going to be a tent maker such that he can set an example for them. But the Greeks and the Corinthians, they saw work as something that was beneath the dignity of people, right? You had to labor if you weren't rich enough to be rich, if you weren't wealthy enough to be free of it. If you weren't in, you know, the, the goal was to seek after power and independence. And so if he's an apostle, right, a leader in this church, it's mm-hmm. beneath him to do this kind of work. Yeah, and yet, yeah. and yet Paul says, or he's going to say, you know, that part of the reason mm-hmm. why he doesn't demand these things is because it, it frees up the finances in, in, in the congregations. But, but he's right now though, making the argument that he could he could ask for it and and not so much that that he could ask for to be taken care of or to earn his his living by the gospel but he's he's making the argument that others do it there seems to be some expectation that Barnabas and him they owe though you know they're not real they're not real messengers of the gospel they still have to work and he he wants to sort of lay out this idea that no i i certainly like a soldier don't have to serve at my own expense, but he's setting up what he's going to say next. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And so uh, here, what he says uh, next is, you know, uh, basically from the law, uh, uh, from the law of Moses, uh, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. Um, you know, basically the the ox that is working so hard uh, doesn't have to have or doesn't uh, they don't they don't need to put a muzzle on it because it needs to uh basically uh uh be fed uh it would as be, it it would be cruel right it'd be yeah, cruel exactly to keep him from eating while he's working right 
Yeah, yeah. So uh, definitely, uh, you know, you want to feed the ox <laughs> while it is working because uh, that's how it's uh, being paid. And, you know, like you said, it'd be cruel uh, not to uh, feed the ox uh, during that point there. So, um, and, and so, um, yeah, so Paul is, is saying here that, uh, you know, if you're preaching the gospel, uh, if you're working uh, as a uh, a missionary as an apostle uh it's good to be paid uh for your services uh for preaching the gospel uh, for doing those things uh that god has has called you to do so um yeah verse 11 uh, if we have sown spiritual things among you is it too much if we reap material things from you uh yeah and so uh basically you know he's he's you know making the point that uh uh, those who uh, sow the the spiritual things, uh, the word of God, uh, they should also uh, reap material things, uh, be paid for uh, what they're doing uh, as far as their uh, preaching and and uh, uh, sharing uh, the word of God. There. So we as pastors today, at least, perf- uh, at least as. Uh, how can I say it? I don't want to say professional pastors because all of our pastors are certainly professional in that they sure. do this work um, accordance to good standards. But there are pastors who make their primary living from the gospel, from their work as a pastor. And then there are pastors who are colloquially tent makers, those who work square jobs. You know, they're electricians during the week and they're pastors on the weekend or whatever that may be. And both, of course, don't doesn't change the the ranking of pastor or his ability to serve is just the different situation sometimes call for a different method of funding the ministry. With that said, sure. it seems that the apostle is making it pretty clear, though, that the preferential way is that pastors certainly earn their keep from the gospel. And I mean, it frees up their ability to do those pastoral things that need to be done. So while dual career pastors or anybody who's out there also, you know, making a living in another way, they are necessarily limited in their ability to pastor the people. Um, So this isn't always possible. And we certainly are sympathetic to those people who have to work multiple jobs to maintain the ministry. And we're grateful to that sacrifice. Paul's making it clear here that that is indeed a sacrifice. That is not how it should be unless you see it differently. Uh, no, I, th- I think you're you're right on there. So, mm-hmm. okay then. Yep. Well, um, let's see here. So we're right here. Uh, he says, though, uh, you know, if others share this rightful claim on you, do not we even more? This gives me the idea that there are people who are receiving support from the Corinthians, and somehow they're just not also taking care of Paul and Barnabas, perhaps. Is, is that maybe reading too much into it, or have you looked into that? Um, I, I haven't a whole lot. Um, uh, there could be, uh, definitely uh, could be uh, uh, that for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I yeah, haven't... Uh, I mean, it sounds like got, it, though, right? Yeah. If it says, if others share this rightful mm-hmm. claim on you, and the rightful claim is that you pay those for their services. I suppose it could also just be, you know, the concept of paying workers their wages. So maybe isn't that they're taking care of other apostles or pastors. Maybe it is just meaning that 
you know, you understand the concept of paying people for their services. So if others share this rightful claim that is payment for work done, then sure. why do not we as your apostles share that even more, deserve that even even more? I, I suppose now that I read it on a, a third time, it, it might be leaning towards that. But it's a fascinating it's a fascinating thing to consider anyway. Oh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So have you experienced in your 14, no, no, I'm sorry, you're almost 20, 19 years of ministry. <laughs> have you experienced, you know, this going on in the congregations, you know, maybe hopefully not in your own co- uh, context, but certainly maybe of brother pastors out there who are having difficulties taking care of their families. They're having difficulties, you know, being a pastor because of the inability of the congregation to afford them or the unwillingness or the fact that they have to work a second or sometimes third job in order to support their ministry efforts. Um, I know guys like this, and it can be very tough. I'm sure you do, too. Oh, yes, uh, definitely. I uh, have uh, some fellow uh, brother pastors uh, in our circuit or, or district that uh, uh, definitely have to go through uh, some of these these rough times. Um, uh I myself uh, have not had that yet, and you know, Lord willing, or hopefully, uh, we won't. But um, you know, there there might might come a time uh, in our ministry that that, that might be uh, something to uh, to struggle with for sure. So um, I guess it goes back to uh, Philippians, uh, you know, chapter four, where you know, Paul is uh, speaking of. All the hardships uh, that it is uh, to be uh, an apostle uh, of of Jesus, and and talking about having uh, Thanksgiving uh, in all situations. Um, you know the the <clears throat> the one passage that uh, I think uh, most of our listeners would uh, know today uh, from Philippians uh, chapter four, verse thirteen. Uh, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Um, you know, that's kind of the, the end verse of, uh, of Philippians uh, chapter four there. Um, uh, definitely, uh, you know, feel for, for those who, uh, do have to, uh, to go through those, uh, through those, those rough times for sure. Um, yeah, it's, uh, um, yeah, it's definitely, definitely one of those things where, um, you know, uh, you pray that uh, everything would uh, work out uh, for the good uh, in the congregations uh, that struggle uh, with those things. Uh, here is uh, Philippians uh, chapter 4. Uh, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length yeah, you have revived your concern for me. Uh, you were indeed concerned for me, but you had an opportunity. Uh, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation uh, I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I could do all things through him who gives me strength. And so, um, yeah. So anyway, uh, absolutely. Philippians, I mean, we, we yeah, constantly yeah. have to remember those guys in our prayers, but also mm-hmm. as you so aptly said, it, you know, we never know what the future holds. We don't know right. mm-hmm. if tomorrow, you know, we have to do that ourselves as pastors. And so we're very grateful 
to have this cloud of witnesses around us of people through, include all the way back to Paul and, and earlier, of people who have done what it needs to do, done what it needs, what needs to be done, have relied sure. on the Lord and certainly gotten the job done. Well, yeah. brother, we yeah. are up against yep. a break. So let's pause okay. for a few moments and listen to these messages. Hey, dear listener, don't go anywhere. In just a few moments when we return, Pastor Dose and I will continue our discussion of 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We'll see you on the other side. Take a look around you. Look closely. Immigrants in the United States and their U.S.-born children now number about 81 million people, or 26% of the population. So chances are there's someone right in your community who doesn't speak English as a first language and who doesn't know Jesus. The Lutheran Heritage Foundation can help by providing you with free Lutheran books translated into over 90 languages. See their complete list of catechisms and Bible storybooks at lhfmissions.org. Welcome back to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Pastor Phil Boo, and with me today is the Reverend Ben Dose, a pastor of Zion Lutheran Church in Arcadia, Iowa. Now, Pastor, before the break, we were talking a little bit about how Paul had uh, made it very clear that he, as an apostle, was entitled to be uh, financially taken care of, uh, make his living off the gospel like an ox, you know, treading grain. But at the same time, what happens next in this text turns that on its head. He's making this appeal that, yes, he is entitled to these things. He has a right to these things. But he kind of surprises us with the verses that follow. I'm going to go ahead and read those verses, get them out on the table so that they can be fodder for our discussion. So this is going to be verse 15 and following. But I have made no use of any of these rights, nor am I writing these things to secure any such provision. For I would rather die than have anyone deprive me of my ground for boasting. For if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting, for necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if not of my own will, I am still entrusted with a stewardship. What then is my reward? That in my preaching I may present the gospel free of charge, so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew, in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside of the law. To the weak I became weak, that I may win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control lest after preaching to others, I should find myself disqualified. 
Ooh, that's a lot of stuff from Paul. So, you know, the whole first half of this episode, we've been dealing with the first part of this particular chapter. And if you were to tune in just for the first part, you would think, oh, here are two pastors arguing over how they need to be paid for their their preaching of the gospel. And yeah, maybe a little because that's the argument that Paul is making. But then that surprise turn with verse 15, when he says, but after having established that I have the right to have my living provided by my preaching of the gospel as the other apostles, I'm not making any use of these rights and nor am I trying to secure any such provision from you. In fact, he says, I'd rather die than having the, not the ability to be able to boast that I provide the gospel free of charge. Now, here's the problem with this. On the one hand, this is wonderful. It's, it's grace. It's mercy from Paul. It's mercy on the financial obligations of the congregation. It's very gracious and generous of him, too. But then sometimes that passage right there is used against pastors. You know, oh, you should do this just because of the gospel. You know, at my job, I should get paid for what I do, but because you're a pastor, you shouldn't get paid. And I've heard that, maybe not as much in the Lutheran church, but in others. So, you know, we do have a quandary here where Paul is describing what he's doing without setting down a prescription that all pastors must follow this. So it's a very fascinating conversation that he's having, you know, through this letter. And I think it also speaks to other rights. You know, I hear a lot of Christians talk about you know, their rights, either as Americans or uh, as as whatever. And, you know, is that really the way we should be thinking about our life in this world today? So lots to chew on here. But yeah, I'm going to turn it over to you. He's he's not making use of those rights, nor does he want to. So what's the point of him writing all this? Yeah, that's a good, <laughs> good point here. Um, basically, you know, Paul is trying to uh, let the readers know, uh, let the uh, Corinthians know that uh, the gospel, uh, first and foremost, is what is on his mind and what he is uh, trying to do is is preach that gospel. Uh, you know, whether he gets paid or not, uh, the gospel is of the first importance and the utmost importance uh, for Paul to uh, get out uh, to the people. And so uh, he's going to either get paid or not get paid, uh, you know, to to, to preach that gospel. And, and so he wants, he wants first and foremost, the, the gospel to, uh, predominate in the preaching, uh, in his, uh, life that he lives, um, and everything that he says or does, uh, he wants that gospel, uh, to get out there, uh, first of all, and, and most important of all. So, um, you know, he's, he doesn't want to put, uh, any kind of, uh, uh, I guess, uh, uh strings attached, <laughs> uh, to, to the gospel. Uh, he simply wants to, uh, uh, to, to preach the gospel, the, the good news of, uh, Jesus death and resurrection uh, for the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. And so, uh, just wants to make sure that, uh, that gets out there, uh, first of all. Yeah, absolutely. The gospel is always going to predominate when it comes yep. to Paul's priorities. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, he also wants them to know that he has this right and he's not using it. And I think that also speaks to the the 
ideas of the Corinthians. You know, they had this idea that, you know, they recognize a worker should be paid and they also see themselves as people who should, you know, receive suitable, if not, you know, excessive compensation for all the things they do. So he's setting an example for them in particular, that these worldly Corinthians who are very interested in things like prestige and power and, and money, he goes, look, you admire me because I'm an apostle? Well, that's fine, but look at this. I'm not even getting what I have a right to get. You know, and I think that's that's where it really connects to today because the first Corinthians are talking about their rights in society. And here today, uh, we often talk about rights. And he's giving those rights up for the sake of the gospel. And it kind of makes us think, you know, in what ways might we be called upon to give up rights as our average Christian for the sake of the gospel? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, uh, definitely, you know, we, uh, we, we talk a lot about uh, rights today and, and uh, the right of uh, just all kinds of uh, uh, different uh, things out there. <laughs> and so uh, sometimes, uh, yes, as, as Christians, uh, we do uh, give up our rights uh, to uh, make, I guess, society uh, better or, um, you know, the you know, to, uh, you know, advance, uh, advance, uh, certain things, uh, in the world. And so, uh, yeah, so Paul's kind of given us, uh, an example here of, uh, of how he did that, uh, in Corinth. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So going on though, he talks mm-hmm. about, you know, necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me. If I don't preach the gospel, I think that's the feeling of all pastors, you know, whether we have to work two or three jobs to be able to do it or whether, we uh, are fortunate and blessed by God to be supported full time by a congregation. At the heart of it is just our the desire that we have been given by Christ to proclaim that gospel at all at all at all um, at all expenses at all costs. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you know, in, in verse seventeen, you know, he talks about uh, uh, he is an, entrusted with a, a stewardship. Uh, making sure that uh, uh, he's managing uh, those things well. Uh, a steward is is uh, a manager, and so Paul is is saying here that uh, you know he wants to be uh, you know a good steward, uh, a good manager of all that has been entrusted uh, to him, uh, namely the gospel. And so he wants to make sure that uh, he's doing those things that are you know. Uh, wise and and faithful uh, for a, a good a good manager here. So, yep. Uh, and then he goes on. You know, uh, well, what is my reward? That in my preaching I may present the gospel free of charge, uh, so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. And so, you know, uh, once again, uh, he's just wanting to you know present that gospel uh, free for for everyone. Um, you know, and, and making sure that uh, he's doing what he's supposed to be doing, uh, as far as being a, a good and and wise uh, manager, a good steward uh, in in preaching preaching that gospel, uh, so that uh, others may hear and and know uh, Christ uh, for them. So, yes, absolutely. 
Now, verse 19, he says, mm -hmm. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. In previous episodes, we've talked about this idea of servant. There are 400,000 slaves in Corinth. They outnumber the number of freed people. Now, while the idea of you know uh, slavery from Americas and slavery during this time are certainly different in a multitude of ways, which we've discussed, still servants or slaves or bond servants, however they're translated, these aren't the high people, the the wealthy. These aren't the these aren't the uh, the prestigious people of society, obviously. And yet here we have the apostle saying, "I am a servant to all," and the purpose is, of course, go right back to the gospel. But what does he mean here? I became a Jew. That's not hard for Paul to do. But then all these others <laughs> sure. under the law or outside the law, what does all that mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, uh, to those uh, under uh, the law, uh, basically uh, the law was was written uh, uh, so that uh, people may, may follow it and, uh, you know, not to do what they're uh, conscience is is or their sinful nature. Excuse me, their sinful nature uh, is is wanting to do, and uh, and so uh, to those under the law, uh, I became as one under the law. Uh, you know, those would be uh, ones who uh, might still want to have circumcision, uh, or uh, those who might <clears throat> want to continue to. Uh, eat certain foods uh, as the law uh, <clears throat> as the law proclaimed in the Old Testament uh, you know certain things that they could eat uh, couldn't eat uh, you know the circumcision uh, you know other other things that uh, were written or prescribed in the law uh, Paul himself, uh, became as one under the law, uh, even though he says <laughs> himself not being under the law, uh, that I might win those under the law. And so, um, you know, basically he's trying to become as one under the law, so to win those uh, under the law, uh, uh, to those outside the law, uh, you know, basically uh, those uh, I guess uh, it'd be kind of a, uh, I guess we're talking about uh, probably Gentiles there, uh, non-Jews. Uh, so those uh, outside the law, uh, you know, he, as Paul, as we know about Paul, uh, he was uh, a, a Roman a citizen. And so uh, we know that uh, he could uh, once again uh, become uh, like the Romans, uh, the Gentiles. Uh, so that uh, uh, they, he could win uh, those uh, outside the law, uh, so that they could uh, hear uh, the gospel uh, of Christ, uh, so that he might uh, win those outside the law. Uh, to the weak, uh, maybe those who, uh, as we talked a little bit about in uh, the last part of uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 8, uh, those who were uh, weak because uh they saw someone else uh, eating meat, and and so maybe their their faith was was weak. And uh, <clears throat> you know, Paul said, "Well, don't uh, don't eat meat if it's going to cause a brother to stumble." And so uh, Paul is you know trying here to uh, become like the weak uh, to win the weak. 
uh, you know, he says that he become uh, he became, excuse me, uh, all things to all people, uh, that by all means I might save some, and so uh, you know, in uh, in his uh, outreach to different people, uh, he became uh, like them, uh, so that he might uh, save them uh, to bring them uh, under the gospel. Uh, of Christ, and so that's uh, uh, it's something that uh, you know we today uh, can try to do uh, for outreach, uh, for sharing uh, Jesus uh, with others. Uh, we can try to uh, find ourselves in uh, different situations that uh, you know might not be uh, the easiest or <laughs> the most comfortable uh, to win those who. Uh, might or might not uh, be like us. And so, uh, you know, we can uh, do all things uh, to, you know, basically uh, win those uh, people uh, for for Christ. Now, this idea of, you know, being all things to all people is certainly something, as you've been saying, we can emulate. Uh, but I think we can also we also have to be very careful. You know, Paul in his Correct. mature faith, a, a faith that you know was matured very fast by by <laughs> the appearance of Jesus in his life. But you know, even especially new Christians or old Christians, they might have this idea that well, I hang out with X, Y, and Z type of people because I'm trying to be all things to all people and reach them. When in reality, there's also that temptation to go back to the world to fall back into sin. So there is a balance. I think you would also agree that, you know, we want to emulate Paul in that we desperately want to reach out with the gospel and we want to use almost any means necessary, <laughs> but we have to be very protective of our own faith because, you know, we too are sinners. Of course, Paul's a sinner too. Correct. Correct. Absolutely. Um, you know, when Jesus uh, met with uh, uh, tax collectors and sinners, uh, we know that uh uh, he did not uh, leave them uh, in their state of being tax collectors and sinners, but uh, uh, he called them uh, to repentance. Uh, you know, obviously, we definitely want to say that we're not Jesus, <laughs> but uh, we take along with us uh, the word of God. And we take along with us uh, the word of God uh, that has been put into our minds and hearts uh, so that uh, it can help us uh, not uh, go back to uh, previous or former ways of life, uh, but that Word of God uh, goes with us so that uh, it gives us strength uh, so that we can uh, overcome the temptations to go back to a former way of life, but also to uh, continue to uh, do it, as uh, Paul says here in verse 23, uh, do it for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. And so uh, the word of God uh, gives us a strength uh, to you know, help us uh, reach out uh, with the gospel. Uh, we know also we also know that uh, using the sacraments of, of holy baptism and holy communion uh, also uh, help us uh, to become all things to all people, but also to uh, strengthen our faith and help us not uh, run into or not uh, succumb to uh, temptation there. So, you know, he says in verse twenty three. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. 
selfishness is something part that's part of the of the human fallen human nature but certainly is alive and well in Corinth this idea where people are seeking for their best life they're always trying to improve themselves they're only concerned about their own self in chapter 10 you know Paul will say let no one seek his own good but the good of his neighbor and so he's demonstrating here that he could enforce his right to receive all of these things and yet he refuses his right he puts himself in the position of a slave he is even co-mingling so to speak with people who it might not be fashionable to co-mingle with and so he's demonstrating what he will later say flat out and that is we must do good works for our neighbor for the benefit of our neighbor not so that we can improve our own lives we certainly want to improve our own lives and those things happen as we live out our life as god blesses us but our goal should be to serve our neighbor first and foremost uh yes correct right mm-hmm. yep because he also uh, says in corinthians 10 he says just as i try to please everyone in everything i do not seeking my own advantage but that of many that they might be saved no that's not till next chapter, but that's going to be a continuation of this same argument that Paul Mm -hmm. is living out his service for the benefit of others. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm reminded of the hymn, uh, salvation unto us has come. And, uh, one line in that, uh, many, many verses of that hymn, uh, good works serve our neighbor and supply uh, the fruit that faith is living. And so uh, it's something that the the good works that uh, Paul is doing here in chapter 9 of 1 Corinthians is not for himself, like you said, but it's definitely for uh, the good of the neighbor. And, uh, you know, especially in verses uh, 19 through uh, 22, uh, he's not doing this uh, for himself. But definitely for uh, the sake of uh, the others, his his neighbors uh, that we find here in in these verses, and so definitely Paul and you know verse twenty three kind of you know kind of wraps things up there a little bit that yeah uh, I do it for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. So he then in these very last verses changes in a way the entire structure upon the illustration that he's been using because now he's talking about do you not know that in a race all the runners run but only one receives the prize and he encourages them to run so that they may obtain it and he mentions athletes exercising self-control to receive a perishable wreath but we an imperishable Um, undoubtedly referring to the isthmus games which happened in corinth that was second probably only to the Olympics, very famous games, uh, all centered on the Temple of Poseidon. But we see here that they would have known about that. And so we understand it from the human point of view, right? You exercise self-control, you practice, you run the way you can win. But those things are fleeting. He points them to do the same thing, but for spiritual rewards. Uh, but how does that how does that work out on the ground? Like, what's that look like? What is he talking about? Sure, sure. Well, I, I'm... Thinking of uh, you know Jesus' words, uh, I think we in the three-year lectionary system. Uh, I think we heard them uh, just recently here. Uh, but uh, you know, Paul is saying here that uh, that you run that you may obtain it. Run that you may obtain it. Um, you know, basically, uh, Jesus says, uh, whoever uh, hates his life in this world will 
find it or will get it. And whoever loves his life in this world uh, will, will lose his life. And so uh, Paul is saying here uh, kind of the same words that uh, Jesus is saying. Uh, make sure that uh, as you're going about doing your work, as you're uh, going about uh, uh, sharing the gospel or uh, you know preaching the gospel, uh, whatever the case may be here, uh, that you don't lose uh, what you have. <laughs> and so... Uh, Paul is is reminding uh, the Corinthians here and, and us uh, that uh, we do the things that God wants us to do or Jesus wants us to do, uh, but we make sure that we uh, don't lose uh, what we have, and that's our eternal life. Uh, and so basically, um, you know, if, if we give up everything that is important to us, our faith in Christ and uh, the forgiveness of sins that we have in Christ, just to uh, share that with others, um, well, that's not going to work. <laughs> uh, you know, Paul and Jesus uh, is saying, you know, basically the same thing. Uh, every athlete exercises self-control in all things, uh, making sure that uh, uh, we're doing uh, what Jesus uh, wants us to do and in, in, in preaching the gospel, but also taking care of our uh, our salvation, our eternal life uh, for uh, our souls. And that's making sure that, uh, you know, we're, we're uh, receiving, <laughs> receiving the word, uh, receiving the sacraments, uh, receiving those uh, good things that uh, Jesus uh, gives to us. Uh, so that uh, that's that's that self-control that uh, uh, we continue to uh, receive and and take care to uh, make sure that uh, we're not uh, disqualified. <laughs> Excuse me. In the verse twenty-seven, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. And so. So we want to make sure that uh, anyway, we want to make sure that uh, you know we're doing the doing what Jesus uh, desires us and and receiving uh, his good gifts there. so so um in these last few moments of the show, um I'd like to invite you to share just a bit of gospel for our listeners, you know, something that would benefit them and something that they can share with their neighbor. Sure, sure. Well, uh, in this uh, troubled world or this <laughs> troubled life that we are living in right now. Uh, we know that uh, things are tough and we know that uh, we say things and do things that cause uh, trouble uh, for others. And uh, we also know that uh, others do things uh, to us as well. The good news is, is that uh, Jesus has come uh, to save us uh, from our sins. Uh, the good news is, is that uh, Jesus has come down uh, from heaven as the Son of God uh, to live, uh, to die, and to rise again uh, for us uh, so that uh, we may have uh, the forgiveness of sins and eternal life uh, in his name and in his, not just his name, but also in the work that uh, he has done for us. And so, as we heard many times in 
1 Corinthians uh, chapter 9 here that uh, Paul is preaching the gospel and working uh, for the gospel. Uh, the gospel is Jesus. Uh, the gospel is uh, Jesus' uh, work on the cross, uh, his empty tomb. Uh, we know that the gospel is uh, Jesus' death and resurrection for the forgiveness of our sins and eternal life. Those are what uh, sustained Paul uh, during his ministry. Uh, the gospel is what sustains us from day to day as well. We know that we can ask for forgiveness from others, and we also know that we can give forgiveness to others, uh, whether they ask us or not. Uh, we know that we can uh, live in the in the peace and the joy and the forgiveness of sins in Jesus. I'd like to thank my guest this morning, the Reverend Ben Dose, a pastor of Zion Lutheran Church in Arcadia, Iowa. Thank you, Pastor, for being on the show. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. No problem. And I'm grateful to you, dear Christian, for listening to Thy Strong Word. I've been your host, Pastor Phil Boo. Tune in tomorrow as we continue in 1 Corinthians with chapter 10. Until then, may God's peace and blessings be with you all as we pray. Father, keep us in Thy strong word. 